Well, we've got a great show for you today because right here in studio, I have Jennifer Lawrence with me. (laughs) You're probably thinking the actress, but I have someone even better for you, my good friend Jennifer, who is a writer, a pioneering mommy blogger, a blogger for the Huffington Post and 1010 Park Place, an author, and even before that, she was an investment baker, and she even does story coaching. So much experience that is going to inspire you today. Here's the thing. If you've ever experienced trauma, hopelessness and loneliness, you have been hurt by the church, then this is the show for you to watch. Because we're going to talk about the gift, believe it or not, of suffering and what we learn as we suffer. And Jen shares some really good nuggets of wisdom and scripture with Christian authors and even with a Netflix show. Jennifer Lawrence, so great to have you in the studio today. Thank you. Um, I love it, and I find it fun that your name is Jennifer Lawrence, which is the same name and spelling as the famous actress. Yes. How has that been for you as she's sort of come on to sort of the Hollywood stage, and now you're sharing the same name? Yeah, no, I remember when she was in uh, Town for Tiff for Winter's Bone, which was kind of a breakout film, and I thought, this is really cool. And then when she got the Hunger Games, I'm like, oh, I think this might be a problem. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I can't Google myself. I can't find myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm a writer. I would like to be Googleable, but oh. it's always her. So she's always a little bit ahead of you. Yeah, in just Google. a tiny bit. You know, she's just a tiny bit more famous. <laughs> but uh, I get, I mean, I get good restaurant tables. I always get like great hair appointments. So sometimes so it works out for my advantage. Maybe I need to do that for me. Yeah, like instead of Melinda Estabrook's like Mariah Carey. Absolutely. You know what? Try it on for like or a week. Oprah or something. Oprah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I think that's great. I've always thought that that's, that's pretty fun. And I always wondered if there, there were people, like real people, that actually had famous you know, actor, actresses' names and how, how they would benefit. So that's great. Yes. You know, in the beginning of my intro, I talked a lot about you, but a lot of you has to do with writing mm-hmm. and storytelling and more writing, novels, blogs, you know, uh, you know, story coaching. Mm-hmm. What is it, Jen, about writing? Like, I, I feel that I'm more of a communicator, mm-hmm. and I'm not, it's hard for me to write. Right. Um, what is it about writing and storytelling that's really captured you and that your life has really mm-hmm. been about that up until now? Yeah, I mean, I've always written. In high school, I probably had the world's weirdest job of writing obituaries. Okay. So yeah. I would get, <laughs> like, $25 a person, and <laughs> I would, you know, show up in my little school uniform and have to go interview the families and yeah really weird job when everyone Mm -hmm. else is working at the mall but I've just I've always written and then I worked in business for years I was in management consulting and investment banking but always writing on the side I was always a member of like a poetry group or Mm -hmm. a little writing group and then when I had um, kids I was at home with them and when you've got little kids at home like you're up at weird hours Mm -hmm. and at four in the morning it's like it's hard to go out Mm -hmm. so I started to go online And I started writing online. In fact, I started my mommy blog because the um, elevators were never working at the subways near me. And so I just started putting on there, like, please open the elevators at Bloor. And then people started reading me, and I started writing other things, other opinions that Mm -hmm. I had. And um, then I went from that into uh, editing. I worked for a literary journal for several years and doing a lot of my own writing and wrote a book. And... um, 
and shared my story. And I think for me, the bravest part of writing was when I was a mommy blogger, I went through postpartum depression. And at that time, people weren't talking about it. Like when mm-hmm. Paltrow hadn't had it yet, there weren't sort of all these celebs who had it. Um, but I had it, and I felt different than a lot of moms that I would see on kind of these mommy shows on TV. So I started to write about my experiences, at first anonymously. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, you know, what really um, seemed to resonate with people and other moms. And I thought, you know what, it's really hard to go through something painful, but if someone else can get something good out of that, if you can help someone else, then it somehow validates the pain. And for me, that really has been why I've written. I write about my faith journey, which is, you know, sometimes rocky and that I I know we'll be getting into. You know, I've written about uh, depression and divorce and and feeling alone and the kinds of things that, you know, people don't talk about over coffee necessarily. People don't talk about while your kids are crawling around at the the playground. But I think it's just real and important stuff. So that's really where my, my life's taken me in that direction. Well, I think you understand that whole kind of like saying of like the power of story. You know, and I've noticed over the years how more and more people are sort of saying, you know, we need to encourage people around us, friends and community, to share a story. Absolutely. Because there's something powerful about when you share a story, other people feel brave to share theirs. What do you think that's about? Why? I mean, maybe this. Why do people not want to share their story? Mm-hmm. And why do you feel that when there is someone who shares one, it releases something to others to share theirs? What, what do you think that is? I think we're a society where we all wear masks. Um, I think as women, we're expected to be perfect. We're supposed to be perfect daughters and perfect sisters and perfect wives and perfect moms. And we're always supposed to smile and we're always supposed to be nice. Um, And we wear these masks and the masks cover up a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And we all pretend we're fine. Like if someone at a store says, hey, how are you? You know, you don't go, well, actually, I'm really depressed. You know, you say, oh, great. How are you? And you, you miss that moment of connection. So for me... Um, the job of the writer is kind of to go first, to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to drop my mask. And it's a risky proposition because sometimes you drop the mask and everyone's just kind of staring at you yeah. and they still yeah. have their masks on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find sometimes people are unwilling to drop their masks, but in most cases, that's when people share back. And that's yes. when you get a real connection, a real friendship, really deep conversation. And that's when you start to take down taboos and why postpartum depression is discussed now, whereas mm-hmm. it didn't used to be. Why some of these things like divorce and struggling with faith, people talk about that now. Mm-hmm. They didn't used to. And I think we're yeah. better off for having some of these open conversations. That's so good. Now, you've been on quite a journey in your own mm-hmm. faith. But even in your own life, you, I mean, you've experienced, you know, a lot of trauma in your mm-hmm. life. You know, uh, postpartum depression, as you have mentioned, mm-hmm. divorce, um, dating violence, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say abuse within the church. Mm-hmm. And and you would say, you know, as we've talked, you know, outside of the studio that, you know, what you've resonated is, uh, you know, Anne Voskamp's The Broken Way mm. book and, and about this brokenness. And I think from the outside, people would look at you, Jen, and be like, wow, it's like she has it all together. She's beautiful, living in a great community with her kids. And yet your story is a different story from what people may have perceive of you. Right. And I mean, that's what I find with all people, because we only see the outside. Um, Mm -hmm. Anne Lamott, who's a a writer that I like, has this quote saying, you know, don't compare your insides, which you know, to other people's outsides. Mm -hmm. But that's That's what we do all the time. Mm -hmm. So someone like Anne Voskamp, I mean, on the surface, you know, very successful author, 
beautiful family. Her mm. photos are gorgeous. Yes. I mean, she looks mm. like she has this absolutely ideal life. But as soon as you start reading her story, you realize that she has struggled with a lot of things, starting with, I think, the death of her sister when she was a child and, and, and working on up. You know, her life hasn't been perfect. And so for me, when I read The Broken Way, it was such an interesting way of looking at things because I find sometimes as Christians, we really... You, you know, we sort of have this belief that the sun shines on the righteous. And so we see these people with perfect lives and we think, hey, like God must really favor these people. Mm-hmm. Whereas the reality is the sun shines on all of us. Yeah. God shines on all of us. And through reading Anne Voskamp, she has this beautiful way of looking at brokenness that I just found to be quite unique. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she's such a beautiful storyteller in her poetry. Mm-hmm. But she had this line. Um, She, as many people know, lives on a farm. And so she uses a lot of agricultural metaphors to explain life Mm -hmm. and her faith. She has this gorgeous passage that I'll just read from her book, uh, The Broken Way. For a seed to come fully into its own, it must become wholly undone. The shell must break open, its insides must come out, and everything must change. If you didn't understand what life looks like, you might mistake it for complete destruction. Wow, that's powerful. And the imagery of that, because I can see that seed breaking yeah, and then and, growing into and, and for something. And for me, it's, it's this knowledge that sometimes God calls on us to go through hard things, and we don't know why. And it's hard to explain. Maybe it's because of original sin or the brokenness of the world. You know, we're not really sure because it is all through a glass darkly mm-hmm. at this point. But what I do know is that God is not a punisher, and God is about love. And if we are going through these things, there is a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I was actually just watching the movie um, Jackie on Netflix last night. About <laughs> is it good? I haven't seen. I've seen it on Netflix. But. So great! And <laughs> okay. for, I watched it because of the clothes. Because I'm actually very superficial. <laughs> um, but in it, um, Jackie, it's 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 supposed to be in the weeks following JFK's assassination, and Jackie is really struggling. Uh, she, she's Catholic by faith. She's lost a couple of children at this point in infancy, uh, and she's just lost her husband, who's been murdered in front of the world. And she's talking with her priest, who she talks a lot with through the film. And she's just saying, you know, God seems cruel, and why does this happen, and why do, does suffering occur? And he tells her uh, a parable, which is basically a paraphrase of John 9. And I'll, I'll just read the quote from it, because I love movie quotes. Mm-hmm. I always think they're so wise. Jesus once passed a blind beggar on the road, and his disciples asked, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was made blind so that the works of God could be revealed in him. And with that, he placed mud on his eyes and told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man did, and he came back seeing. And then the priest says to Jackie, Right now you are blind, not because you've sinned, but because you've been chosen Mm. so that the works of God can be revealed in you. And he says, you know, if you think of yourself not as being set aside by God during suffering, but being set apart by God Mm -hmm. so that there can be refinement and that your character is being built and maybe you can reach out and touch other people. For me, flipping that perspective was such a powerful thing because there have been times in my life where I've moved away from the church because, you know, you get into that pity party Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's not fair. Why did she get the good hair? Like, why did (laughs) that happen to me? Um, I've had so much happen to me. Do you think a lot of people feel that way, Jack? 
Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously with comparison. I mean, but do you think a lot of people are like, I, yes, I, I feel that way. I do. You know, I've, I've, I have lots of friends who are Christians. I have lots of friends who aren't. And there are lots of those who have been involved in the church and have turned away. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's because they just feel that piling on of suffering. Mm-hmm. And they feel that, you know, sometimes the church isn't really great at holding the suffering people in sign. Anne Voskamp in her book talks about a passage where a pastor makes a throwaway comment about, you know, he, he was somewhere on the weekend and it was next to the nut house. Well, you know, Anne's own mother had spent some time wrestling with mental health issues and she felt very excluded by that comment. And the church mm. isn't always, you know, we, we celebrate the victories of Christians, you know, someone who's made lots of money yeah. or is, is or overcome or gotten through absolutely right? yeah. but some no one ever comes up to you in church that you know what i heard that your marriage failed and your kids are sick god must think you're really special you know <laughs> <laughs> you just you don't hear that and yet there is this perspective out there that you know voskamp shares and and you know c.s lewis has this this great line and and just to paraphrase it it's if you think that this life is about happiness life's going to be really hard yeah. If you think of it as a training ground, that's when great things can start to happen. And it starts making sense, right? It starts making mm. sense. I mean, it's not perfect sense, and, and boy, I'd like to think I'm done with the suffering. Yeah. I'm kind of like, you know what? I've had enough. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I've had my lessons. Now let's just have lots of money and, and great fun and food and fun and, food fun. And fun and, yes yeah. frivolity and yeah. let's just sort of coast into the end into the sunshine on a on a beautiful yacht but <laughs> i just don't think that's the purpose i mean yeah. you, you 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 know your career is telling people stories mm-hmm. and whenever i hear a story that moves me very often it has started in a place of suffering and very often when people have drawn closer to god it's because they're wrestling with that suffering. I mean, it goes back to Job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was involved in the wellness movement for a while, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the, you know, happiness movement and let's just attract good things. They never tell stories like Job. You know what? Mm-hmm. Job is really not a great marketing tool for the Christian people. Yeah. Here's this guy. Everything yeah. bad happens. There's boils. This is not good. Yeah. And yet, and yet, God is faithful. God is love. Mm-hmm. God is there. And you know, we don't always want to take the suffering. We just kind of want the goodies. Yeah. But it really does seem like the, the two go hand yeah. in hand. How did you get there, Jen? Because a lot of people are like, I hear you, Jen. I hear you, Melinda. But I'm in deep suffering. Like, right. I've, I'm widowed now. Uh, I mm-hmm. lost my best friend. I'm divorced. I have kids. I'm single. I don't have, I've never had the opportunity to get married. I'm, you know, struggling with fertility. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many things. And so they're Absolutely. listening to us and going, I'm there. I'm not th- where you're at now how did how did that come about because I've realized too and some of the greatest people I know have had the greatest suffering Mm -hmm. and and there was this a flip as you're talking about where I thought but what if God has entrusted them with the suffering because they're actually greater and God believes they can handle it or there's something that God wants them to learn and to teach us Mm -hmm. that even as a communicator I stand in church because I've had my absolute deal of suffering but there's other people that are suffering greatly right some have done it well some haven't Mm -hmm. and I just wonder if that if there's something to it as we are talking about you know the broken way but how did you kind of find your way through that um, I mean, people, you've mm-hmm. been instrumental to me staying in the faith. Um, I mean, we, we met, not many people know our story mm-hmm. of our meeting, but um, I was really quite broken after something had happened to me. I was mm-hmm. new in town. I knew nobody. Um, 
and that's a hard hard time. You can't kind of just join a new church and go, hey, I'm completely broken. Uh, love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people think you're kind of weird. Um, but, you know, we had some mutual people in common. And I think you recognize that there was some need there. And it was it was praying with me. It was giving me what I have now as my life verse. I remember sitting in a restaurant with you and praying and crying. And um, you gave me Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And for me, it's when things are really awful, um, looking for any tiny, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why that kind of faith the size of a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot if you can just hold on. Um, the beginning of the summer was really difficult for me. I'd, I'd gone to the East Coast. Our water shut down. My dog died, and I was there recovering from some eye surgery that didn't go well. So, you know, I basically can't see out of one eye. <laughs> really not a lot of fun. <laughs> and um, But it was audiobooks that I listened to. It was conversations that I had with people like you. And for me, it is revealing your brokenness because if you keep it all inside your suffering, mm-hmm. again, you only see that shiny mask that other people present. So you could be sitting there in church hurting. Meanwhile, there could be someone sitting right next to you hurting as well. And until you kind of say, I need help. This is hard. This isn't what I, you know, thought it would be. Um, I reach out online. I reach out through reading and look for people who have had brokenness in their lives Mm -hmm. who have overcome. Mm -hmm. And that has been immeasurably helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just realizing that, you know, God does work in mysterious ways, but he's always come through. I mean, you know, strangely, it was when I was kind of blind <laughs> that I read some passages that really revealed some truths. So, you know, while I couldn't see in the physical world, suddenly I could see better in the spiritual world. Yeah. And so I find that it is that still small voice. And, um, I think we're conditioned that, you know, somehow God's going to come in on a white horse. We have this kind of Santa Claus, fairy godmother, Mm -hmm. Prince Charming mentality that God's gifts are going to look a certain way. And he's going to speak a certain way at the time we ask him to. He's going to sound like Charlton Heston. Or Morgan Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) It's, It's you picking up my phone call. It's me stumbling across Ann Voskamp's work. Mm-hmm. It's you turn the channel and something resonates. It's me watching Jackie last night and finding out it's a film about faith. I had yeah. not read that anywhere. I thought it was about pillbox hats, yeah. which is why I was watching it. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. Um, but see, what I love about you, Jen, is that, you know, I've had many people come to me and say, Melinda, God is silent I don't hear him all my life. I've never heard him, and he's never encountered me. And I said, but in what way? Mm -hmm. And usually it's, I want a clear voice. I need writing on the wall. And yet what I'm hearing from you, which is is a great encouragement for me and to our viewers and listeners, is that he is speaking everywhere Mm -hmm. all the time. And it's this being attuned and aware of it. Because I I, I just sat with a friend, and and we were talking, and it was like, you know, he's never spoken to me. And meanwhile, the opportunities of this friend, people would die for. Like right. opportunities of, of speaking and influence over people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not God at work, mm-hmm. you know? I, and But again, it's we, we sort of have this strange perception of what it's supposed to look like. 
We do. And yet you're saying, and I love that because that's such a great encouragement. Yeah, it should be and, encouragement. And it's, it's looking for God-like moments and Christ-like yeah. moments yes. in the everyday. I mean, there's a there's an old uh, story, and it's you know so, some guy is stranded on an island, and the floodwaters are rising, and then you know a boat comes and says, "Get in the boat," and he says, "No, no, no, God's going to come and get me." And then you know another boat is sent, and he's going, "Nope, God's got this. I'm faithful." Well, then a third boat comes, and he says, "No, I'm faithful. I believe in God. He's going to save me." And then he drowns. And he goes up to heaven and he's chatting with God and he says, I can't believe you let me die. And he's like, I sent three boats. <laughs> so it's, it's... Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. It's not necessarily waiting for that, you know, the big chair and the big guy mm-hmm. and the big voice. It's looking for, you know, God works in, in funny places. When you think about it, when Jesus came, it's the Roman Empire. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. It's a baby born to what appears to be an unwed mother in a barn. You know, he didn't come riding in on a Mm -hmm. chariot. He didn't come in with the shields and the swords like maybe Roman people might have expected. He came in quietly. He spent a lot of time meeting one-on-one with people and just being there and listening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you hear the God voice. Who's there to listen to you? You know, when you're out and about at the supermarket, are you making connections with people? that can be a God moment. You know, sometimes he's dramatic. I mean, I heard a voice telling me to buy a house that ended up being next door to the man that I've married. That's crazy. And so, you know, I called the God house. And that was kind (laughs) of like, uh, supposed to go to the cottage and it was like, do not go, buy the house. What did he sound like? Did he sound like... Charlton Heston? A little bit. Okay. Right? A little bit. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of cool. Yeah. But most times, it really feels like there's silence. But if you look for it, yeah. and I mean, I always, I actually have a little pendant that has a mustard seed in it under under glass that, yeah. you know, I bought online. It's really, really tiny. And when things are really down for me, I think about that. Is there one positive thing that I can look at? Is there one thing in the day? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's me being a blessing to other people. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can be the Christ-like figure that day. Maybe I can provide the God moment for others. Oh, that's good because it's always about when we're looking or we're down, we're looking for the help or receiving. Yes. And haven't you noticed that when you give, it's like everything changes. Absolutely. It's like something in your brain where you're like, I'm feeling better. Mm-hmm. I've got my adrenaline. I'm feeling really good because I'm serving and thinking of somebody else and being selfless. And there is that. I, I, I've heard that over and over. Sometimes the best way to get out of your funk mm-hmm. or, or if you're kind of like down mm-hmm. is actually to get out and serve someone else. Absolutely. Give of yourself. Absolutely. There's something there. And I think that's a great reminder that's not always about, oh, God, where are you? I need this from you. Sometimes it's like, maybe I should give of myself mm-hmm. and then see what transpires and what God will do through me that will change how I'm feeling and my outlook on life. Absolutely. That's good. That's a good reminder. Yeah. That's and- really good. Now, y- you said that, you know, you you know you were in relationship with God. You, you kind of went away and did other mm-hmm. things. Jen, what what was it that caused you to come back? And now, and the saying of what was out there? Because I know viewers and listeners, everybody's on their spiritual journey. Some mm-hmm. aren't would never say I'm a Christian. They're kind of searching and seeking out what's true, mm-hmm. what's truth. What did you find? I want to say out there that if you're looking at 
being a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. can offer. Now, we've talked a lot about, you know, what he he does and hope and whatnot. But for you, just really practically, what was that? Because I think a lot of people are asking that question. Like, there's all these religions. There's yes. all these faiths. Yeah. Which one? It's like a menu. Yeah. Uh, which one? Yeah. Um, and again, for me, I mean, I was brought up in a missionary kid, always knew it, and so I had a different kind of experience mm-hmm. in, in that. But for you, tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. I think that'd be encouraging for some of our, our viewers here. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, and, you know, my experience was I, I converted basically in high school. I went to a Christian school, and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it appealed to me in part because all my friends were basically, you know, <laughs> getting to be acolytes and, you know, kind of wanted a party, you know, the reasons why kids do things. Um, but... Uh, then even at times when I would kind of drift away, you know, it would often be writing that would draw me back. And I just always was drawn to whether it was an Anne Lamott or a Glennon Doyle Melton. And, you know, not everyone loves all of these writers. But for me, I was finding their faith walks, people with very different life experiences than me. But just that that mm. faithfulness. And to me, there were part, points in my life where I thought, am I a Christian? Because Christianity demands us to... I'm a fairly practical person, and it demands us to believe in some things that are outside of our experience. But at the end of the day, I do believe that Christ was an amazing teacher. And at one point, I thought, even if I don't believe, but if Mm -hmm. I follow Christ, so love is the answer, help others, Um, all of the types of things he did, be a good listener, Don't be judgmental. Mm -hmm. You know, love and love and love and love. Mm -hmm. If I just do that, maybe that's okay. And then it kind of struck me one day, well, that is being a Christian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's um, Christ just gave such a wonderful example and I've done, I mean, I've done lots of kind of courses at like, you know, these like learning centers and you can mm-hmm. go do like a two hour thing on different religions. Um, and part of it, I think, is just my upbringing. It was something that appealed to me because, mm-hmm. you know, I, the, the ritual seemed very familiar. Yeah. Um, but Jesus was just this really great guy. Mm-hmm. And so for me, he seems particularly easy to follow. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I'm perfect in following yeah. him because, you know, when God calls you to do hard things that I want to go shoe shopping, like that's that's a battle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obedience is something <laughs> I always will struggle with. <laughs> yeah. um, but for me, it's such a great example that it is about love. And mm-hmm. so there, you know, I, I have probably differences with certain people in the church. And sometimes that really gets me down because things like hypocrisy and where it feels like there's judgment, mm-hmm. you know, I've really... Those are times when I've stepped away from yeah. the church. But at the end of the day, it's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we're not perfect. Look at the disciples. Oh, I, what, I a, mean, what a mess. What a, I, I mean, I said what jokers. I'm like, yeah. how frustrating for Jesus where these were his disciples who were physically with him, yes. listening, watching miracles. I know. And they still doubt him. They yeah. still fall asleep. They're still afraid. Well, they still and, and they still, like, you know, kind of, like, bicker about who's going to sit beside him. Yeah, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness, poor Jesus. I feel like he did a lot of eye rolling because he's at Gethsemane, oh, and he's like, just stay up one night, dude. Just, I'm just asking I have, for one look night. Look at all I've given you. Just <laughs> yes. one simple thing I ask you. And you fall asleep on the time I need you. And not and only they that, can't. then and then you deny me. Right. Thank you for that. And so I think, you know, those are people who hung out with Jesus. We're the broken <laughs> body of Christ. Yeah. We're gonna make mistakes. And it drives me crazy when 
leaders in the church, I think, don't do the right things, or when people, you know, seem to kind of be focused on the wrong things, and it's about judgment rather than love. But at the end of the day, that is not enough to make me not follow Christ. That's good. You know, as, you know, we said earlier, you've been through a lot, and, you know, and you're a writer. Jen, in this next season of your life, what's your hope? What, you know, with your kids, with your marriage, with your writing, what's your hope is, you know, you sort of go into this sort of next season Mm -hmm. of your life? For me, it's always been, and, you know, it kind of dropped for me during um, postpartum depression. I remember people used to sometimes write write letters or emails to me. And, um, you know, I, I got one not that long ago. And it was a woman who kind of, you know, read, read with me through uh, postpartum depression. She read with me through divorce. And she said, you know, kind of th- this is the second time, because she's going through similar mm-hmm. things, that, you know, you've walked with me through the hardest season in my life. And um, while I would like my life to be perfect, I know that it isn't going to be. And as someone who seems to be drawn to writing, I feel that that can be my gift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not always the best at doing all sorts of other things. That <laughs> these, I, I'm like, wow, some of these Christians are amazing people in the mission field. And that just so far hasn't been my calling. But I can share the, that story and hopefully give people some strength and some wisdom and some courage yeah no that's good and you're you know I've so appreciated your blog posts and uh and our friendship I think you know I never would have expected you know that email to connect us through another friend that we would be years later here in the studio and sharing our story it's it's amazing when you're open and what God can do and how he brings people together that can help one another in need. And so, you know, it was such an honor and privilege to help you in need. And now it's amazing that in the times that I've needed some calming down and help, you've been there too. And it's not the, it's that beautiful part of like being a body of Christ and being sisters in that way. That's it. And we're supposed to be living in community. I mean, that was kind of the whole point. When Jesus left us, he basically deputized the disciples to, you know, go build my church on this rock. And again, we do an imperfect job, but I find that I have the most God-like moments when I'm in community with other people and where we help each other go through life. Because I find that no matter what happens to you, the very hardest moments in my life were not because of the hard thing. They were hard because the hard thing happened and then I was alone. Hard things can happen, and you can survive them if you have people around you. And I would say if there's one calling for the church, it's to be there for broken people. Because Mm -hmm. broken people, you know, the secular world doesn't have a lot of room for the very broken. It's a world of success and health and wealth. Mm -hmm. And the church can be there for those who are going through hard times. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's what we're drawn to do. And for me, it's sharing my stories of hard times and how we got through. I remember there used to be this poster that someone had in their office and it showed the Titanic and it was, you know, it yeah. was sinking. Yeah. And it said, um, you know, uh, per- perhaps the purpose of your life is simply to serve as a warning for others. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's me. And for so long, the suffering kind of seemed like that. And well, yeah. am I just writing about the suffering? And is that self-indulgent? Or are people just kind of, you know, looking in like at a car accident? But I thought, if I can write about how I've managed to stay not bitter and open and loving in spite of some of those bad things, then maybe that will give others the opportunity to courage through. Because I've 
lay on the floor of the bathroom in tears. I know most of us have. I know most people don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. But in that moment of brokenness, when you're face down, if you can just hang on, keep that mustard seed of faith Mm -hmm. and know that there is a promise for a better day tomorrow that will help get you through. Beautiful. Jennifer Lawrence, thank you so much for being with me in the studio. Uh, for those who want to know more about your read blog posts, they can go to? Dwellonthesethings.com. Beautiful. And I know that our viewers, my viewers, and listeners will be so encouraged to read uh, your thoughts on life and love, relationships. And thank you. You've encouraged me today, and it was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me. Good job. <laughs> This week's episode of Your Story with Melinda. There's plenty more at faithstrongtoday.com slash your story. But if you really want more, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never, ever miss an episode.